0: Good evening. Good to have you with us today. We have been missing our Wednesday night Bible study time. We were studying 1st and 2nd Corinthians. We're still in 1st Corinthians. And um, I want us to go back and start doing some things. And uh, we're grateful that uh, we can record this. We won't have the interaction that we normally do on Wednesday night, but we uh, have some time that we can uh, share with one another. And I want to We'll probably jump around a little bit more uh, in First and Second Corinthians, but um, I was thinking about the times that we're in and what we're going through, and uh, I wanted to go back and deal with a little bit of an issue that we dealt with earlier. And we find this passage in First Corinthians ten, if you have your Bibles and want to turn with me. First Corinthians ten, verses twenty-three through thirty-three, and as we read together, you see this is a reoccurring theme as it talks about eating meat and eating meat that has been offered to idols we talked about that on one other occasion and I want to read that and you can follow along with me in verse 23 it says I have the right to do anything you say but not everything is beneficial I have the right to do anything but not everything is constructive no one should seek their own good but the good of others "'Eat anything sold in the meat market without raising questions of conscience, "'for the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. "'If an unbeliever invites you to a meal and you want to go, "'eat whatever is put before you without raising questions of conscience. "'But if someone says to you, "'This has been offered in sacrifice,' "'then do not eat it, both for the sake of the one who told you "'and for the sake of conscience.' I am referring to the other person's conscience, not yours. For why is my freedom being judged by another's conscience? If I take part in the meal with thankfulness, why am I to denounce because of something I thank God for? So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews or Greeks Or the church of God, even as I try to please everyone in every way, for I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. May God bless the reading of this scripture. Would you pray with me briefly? Father, we thank you for this time that we have together, although We are not together physically, we are together in a spiritual sense, and we pray that these scriptures would speak to us today, and that this would be a word from the Lord in the day in which we live. Those people there in Corinth, they were going through a lot of times of uncertainty and strife themselves, as we are today. We pray that you would give us clarity of mind, that you would give us wisdom as we interpret these scriptures. And Father, that we would grow in our faith in relationship to you. For in the precious name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we make this prayer. Amen. There was a lady who decided that she needed some company. And so she went to a pet shop and she bought a parrot. And she took the parrot home and after a day or two, she noticed that parrot still was not saying anything, so she took it back to the pet store and asked the store owner, "Uh, how can I get this parrot to speak? And so the store owner said, well, have you tried getting a mirror? They like looking at themselves, and so she bought a mirror, and she went home with that mirror, and after a day or two, she noticed still that this parrot was not speaking, so she took the bird back to the shop for the store owner to see and she told him still he's not talking and the store owner said well have you thought about getting a ladder and she said no said well they like climbing up and down the ladder and that'd be a good thing to do so why don't you get a ladder and see if that'll work so she did she bought a ladder went back home installed it there inside the cage and you know the bird ran up and down the ladder but still was not speaking So she was frustrated again and took the bird back to the store owner and said, he's still not speaking. And the store owner said, well, said, have you ever thought about getting a swing? They like to swing and relax back and forth and that might help this bird to speak. So she said, well, give me a swing. So she took the swing home and had the bird to swing back and forth on it, still not speaking. After a couple days, she came back into the store with the bird, and the bird was dead. And the store owner said, I am so sorry. What in the world happened? And she said, well, uh, I, don't, I don't really know. And she, And the store owner said, well, did the bird ever speak? And said, yeah, right before the bird died, the bird spoke. And it said, that store you're going to, do they have any bird seed? Now, that lady was getting the non-essential stuff instead of the essential stuff. We hear a lot today about essential stuff in our world. And whether it's essential or not for you to work or not. And there's great debate about that all the time. I've talked to a number of people. I've talked to family members. And they're all trying to figure out what's essential and what's not essential. And and people are trying to justify or unjustify why they work or why they're staying at home. This scripture here is talking about that issue. It's talking about what is essential and what is not essential. Some of you may have read the book by Stephen Covey. Uh, In that book, he talks about first things first. He discusses that there are four quadrants that he believes in living out our life. In that first quadrant, he says it includes things that are important and urgent, like handling an irate customer. In that quadrant too, he describes that to be things that are unimportant, really like exercising and staying fit. And then in quadrant three, he includes things that are important, but not really urgent, like a co-worker who keeps coming into your office and interrupting your day and preventing you from working. And then he says there's this quadrant four, which includes things uh, that are not important or urgent, like all this junk mail we get. We're always having to get rid of it, aren't we? And then Covey goes on to say that most people waste a lot of time in that quadrant four, which is the waste area. He says in quadrant three, uh, that is the quadrant of deception for many of us. And in quadrant one, uh, we find that we are at the mercy of those who just find they have to have something that is urgent all the time. He tells us in that book that we would be more suited and Uh, more apt uh, to help ourselves if we spent more time in quadrant two. Uh, That is in that quadrant in which we see uh, ourselves deciding between the essentials and the non-essentials in our life. I think it's important that in the day and age in which we're living in, and I think the day and age in which uh, Paul found himself in dealing with Corinthians, that he was trying to decide... What's really essential here and really what is non-essential? In other words, what's absolute and what are those things that really don't matter that much? We have already talked about earlier in chapter 8 in our Bible study about eating meat. And Paul goes into that and people were in a stir about it. We find ourselves seeing it again. Uh, in chapter ten, but Paul deals with it a little bit differently here in chapter ten than he does in chapter eight. Although it's the same issue, for you see, oftentimes uh, we get locked in and focusing on things that really does not matter, and that's what was happening here. Years ago, a popular writer wrote that the job uh, is not for us to set priorities. That's easy. He said everybody can do that. The reason why so few executives concentrate is because they are setting uh, posteriorities, That is, deciding what tasks not to, ta- to uh, be able to tackle and not being able to stick to that decision. I think oftentimes we can get caught up in the trivial, in the things that really don't matter, and if we do that, then we find ourselves losing time and taking care of those things that really do matter. I think that's what Paul was dealing with, with these people as they were arguing back and forth and they were discussing what it was uh, that really was important in trying to decide that. Paul deals with this in his letter to the Corinthians. Even though the setting is different from our situation that we are presently in today, uh, we find the Apostle Paul, nevertheless, uh, it's relevant for us as we think about the world that we live in and all the challenges that we face today. Uh, we find that there are demands upon our attention to put into focus what is it that really does matter. Now, they were arguing back and forth about the food and idols. In other words, you see, many of these people... Uh, They had come along worshiping idols. It was a very uh, odd place that they were living in in that there was idolatry and there was also immorality in Corinth. And so some of these people who had been converted, they had been used to worshiping these idols and they had been used to eating that meat. Now they had had this conversion experience. They had accepted Jesus Christ. And they felt as though they were doing something wrong by going back and eating uh, this meat of the idols. Others who knew nothing about that, uh, we find here Paul saying in the scriptures, that's okay, that's all right. Uh, And then he flips it over and says, well, if it's bothering your conscience, maybe you need to consider what you're doing. Whether the Corinthian believers ate the meat or they do not eat the meat that choice would bring them closer to God or drive them further away from God. And so we see here really Paul is saying this is a non-essential. There's something more important than that. Now, we have seen it uh, scarcely possible to live in any Greek city in that day and time in which uh, they were not daily coming up with this problem of eating meat because they were always making sacrifices to the idols. And so this was not something that was going away as we find Paul uh, addressing this time and time again here in the scriptures. And there were certain Corinthians uh, whom the matter, it was no problem, and they held uh, to the fact that they had superior knowledge and that's all that really mattered. Uh, They made it an intellectual exercise. Uh, But there's something that's even more important than having knowledge. We sometimes say that, knowledge is power and is important to know our subject it is important to know all that we can about something before we make a decision so knowledge is important but it's not the most important thing for paul is saying in this passage that we have read and on this whole issue of eating meat he is saying there's something more important and that is our love that we possess in our heart and how we relate to one another and how we relate to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we don't need to put somebody else down because they don't have the same maturity or intellectual capabilities or the same learning patterns that we do. We're not to put them down, but we are to treat them too as first-class citizens because that's how God would have us to treat all people. So he is saying in this passage, Uh, Whenever you eat meat that is offered to idols, uh, then that's okay uh, if you don't have a real problem with it. But if you have some qualms with your conscience, he's saying, then you need to step back and take care of that. Paul uh, argues that if you say that there is absolutely no harm in eating this meat offered to idols, you're really hurting and bewildering the consciences Uh, that is those who have offered up to idols. So uh, there was some debate that was going on uh, about the spirits of evil that existed in those days and how they were continuing to affect people. And Paul is just saying to those that it bothers and that it pricks their conscience, do away with that, get rid of that. In other words, uh, it must be given up for a Christian uh, who never uh, can get away from that And it's causing a brother or a sister in Christ to stumble. If it's causing them to stumble, Paul is saying, stop where you are. There are some things in this passage that I think that Paul is hitting at that I think is important for us to hear that may be essential in our practical daily living among other people uh, from time to time. I think number one is that... uh, What is safe for one man may not be unsafe for another. Uh, It has been said, and blessedly true, that God has his own secret stairway into every heart. But it is equally true that the devil has his own secret and subtle uh, stairway into every heart as well. Uh, We may be strong enough to resist that temptation. But it may well be that somebody else could not resist that same temptation. Something may uh, be no temptation to us whatsoever, but it may be a violent temptation to someone else. Therefore, in considering whether we will or will not do anything, we must think not only of the effect that it has on us, but the effect that it has on other people, Uh, and it may pull them down. And I think that leads to the greatest truth in this passage of all. No man has the right to indulge in a pleasure or to demand a liberty which would become the ruination of somebody else. Uh, He may have the strength of mind and will to keep that pleasure in proper place and perspective, Uh, but we find others, that action may cause them to falter and to fall. And we find an indulgence, which may be the ruin of someone else, is not a pleasure, but rather we find that it is a sin. Now, Paul adds that there are some things that are absolutely essential and the key in us living out our Christian faith. Now, we find we must prioritize those things that are absolute and those things that we find uh, that are essential versus those things that are not essential. And we find here in 1 Corinthians 10.31, Paul writes, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Now, that's an essential thing that Paul is talking about that we should do. Uh, what does it mean uh, here that to do all things to the glory of God? Well, perhaps as we look at the definition of Webster and what it says uh, here to us about Uh, glorifying something. To glorify means to make or to make seem or better or larger or more beautiful. To do all things of the glory of God then would mean uh, to do everything in our lives in such a way that it will help us uh, to make God look better or larger or more beautiful in this world that we live in. God's reputation in the world is determined so often by how we relate to others what we say and how we conduct our lives. Some of you may have read his books and some of you may have even been able to hear, hear him uh, preach. Uh, James W. Moore, who was senior pastor at St. Luke's United Methodist Church in Houston, Texas, he tells of a time in his life in which he had a day, and it's a hectic day. It was one thing after the other that was demanding his time, very serious problems, emergencies that were occurring. He had been busy all day and now he was uh, way past his lunch hour in the afternoon. He was on his way driving to another meeting and he realized in going to that meeting um, that he wasn't going to have time to eat anything that night and he hadn't even eaten lunch. So he stopped by this little sandwich shop, he had about 15 minutes, and he noticed this lady in there. She was very methodical, and he ordered this sandwich. You know, when we're in a hurry, we we want to get it done quick and move on, and it seemed like time just stands still and folks are slow. Well, this woman uh, was moving like the pace of a turtle. She took one piece of bread and put mayonnaise on it. She took another piece of bread and put mayonnaise on it really slow. And then she pulled out the turkey and unfolded it and put it on one side and then put it on the other side. And he was just about to tell her uh, what he was thinking. uh, And here's what he was going to tell her. He said, look, forget about the sandwich. I really don't have time. I will just have to starve to death. Thank you very much. And just before he could say that, uh, out of the words of this lady who was fixing the sandwich, she said, aren't you the pastor of St. Luke's Methodist Church? He says, yes, ma'am, sure am. She said, I can't believe this with a big smile. She said, my husband and I have been watching you for some three years now. You see, he had a stroke. And we can't go to church and we stay at home and we watch you. And I can't tell you how much your sermons have meant to us. We've learned a lot about God. Matter of fact, we've learned more about God since listening to you than at any time in our life. Just to show my husband that you came by, would you, would you sign this napkin? He said, I sure would. She said, you was about to say something. What was it? He said, well... What I was about to say was this, you make it just about the finest sandwich that I've ever seen in my life. And he left and he was thinking as he left, my gracious, wonder if I'd have said to that woman what I thought. What would it have done to affect her relationship to Jesus Christ? What would it have done to say who the church is? He realized then and there that it's not just what he is saying in those times that are good for him, but even when we feel as though something that we've got to do is really, really important, maybe it's not quite as important. Maybe it's not as essential as we think it might be. He had made a real impact on this lady's life, and it showed as they had this discussion together. We find here in 1 Corinthians 10.33 that Paul writes this. For I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. Now, this is an essential thing, isn't it? Uh, That must be given a priority. Paul clarifies that this is an absolute by setting things in contrast. Being a stumbling block, he talks about in verse 32, And being a blessing in verse 33. Uh, He says, do not cause anyone to stumble, whether you are Jew or Greek or the church of God, even as I try to please everyone in every way. Paul does not suggest that we go through life absolutely trying to please everybody. We know that's impossible, don't we? Never doing anything to hurt anybody's feelings. That may be a goal, but we know That's not likely to happen. But he simply refuses to do anything that will cause him to stand between the truth of the gospel and those who need to hear the gospel, those who don't know Christ, those who need to grow in Christ, those who do not have a mature relationship to Christ. Sometimes whether or not a person becomes a Christian is determined by the way that we relate to them a pastor in a town in which there was a university right beside his church had a young college student to come forward at the invitation to accept Christ as his Lord and Savior. Upon coming down, um, he had conversation with him, and what he liked to do in that church was to ask the person who was making the profession of faith, who's been the most influential person in your life to cause you to accept Christ. And he asked that young man in front of the congregation, and he said to the pastor, you. And the pastor was stunned. He said, me? Why would you say me? He he don't ever remember laying eyes on this guy. And he's saying that I'm the most influential person. he said, well, I've been here for a while, and I've been watching you. And I've been listening to your sermons and what you say, but I've also been watching the way you live and what you say and the way that you live. Those two things have matched up. And I have decided, as God has called me this morning to accept Christ, to come forward believing, as I've watched you, that you're the kind of Christian that I want to be. Wouldn't that be a desire of all of us? Shouldn't that be one of those essentials? You see, Paul's saying, y'all gotten a little bit lost in this eating the meat thing and the idols. You're letting that dictate uh, too much of your life. And really, it's more than just eating meat, isn't it? It's about the way that we live from day to day. And we need to be careful what we do so that we can influence another person who may be watching us i'm sure there are people watching all of us that we never imagined would be watching us and maybe whether they come to know jesus christ as their personal lord and savior has to do with the way we live so may we live in such a manner that would be pleasing in his sight we find those are the absolutes in the christian life that paul declares by Giving the glory to God and by seeking the good of others. Where does Paul get this idea? Well, he gets it from Jesus, doesn't he? When a lawyer approaches Jesus with the question, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? What does he say? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and all the prophets hang on these two commandments. May we understand in our own personal life today as we read this passage and as we live out our faith, what is it that's essential and what is it that's non-essential? Sometimes it's easy, isn't it, for all of us to get lost in the non-essential. May God forgive us and may God dust us off and lead us down the path because we have failed in the past doesn't mean that we have to fail in the future he gives us grace he gives us another day uh, to make a new life and may we ask those around us that we have failed to forgive us and may you bless us O Lord that we will become more like you would you pray with me father thank you for our time together thank you for helping us to consider in our own lives what is essential and what's not essential we live in a very difficult day and we pray, Lord, that we would live in such a way during these uncertain days, during these unprecedented days, in a way that would lead people to Christ. We have opportunities in the midst of so much demise and so much death and so much disease. We have an opportunity uh, to make a tremendous impact on some young life or maybe even middle age or an older person. Help us, Lord that we will be faithful in serving you in all that we do. May God bless us. For in his name we pray. Enjoy being with you today, and I hope the Lord uh, would keep you safe and healthy. Look forward to being with you again on Sunday. Uh, we're in this Easter season, and I hope that you are still excited. You may be homebound, but you still be excited about your faith as we approach uh, Palm Passion Sunday, as we come into Easter Uh, Christ died for our sins. He rose again so that we could have life everlasting. May we come with hearts that celebrate. May God bless you.